Welcome to another edition of Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player, working up to playing advanced level pieces one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. But this is a long-term goal, and one that's not quite in sight. So until we reach it, every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to get me there ranging anywhere from the Baroque period all the way up to modern day. We explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. And then as time passes, we can build on this foundation so we can all tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 12.4 the fourth and final episode wrapping up our series on Volume 1 of Edvard Grieg's Lyric Pieces. Volume 1 consists of eight short solo piano pieces that were heavily inspired by Norwegian folk music. We spent the last three weeks going through pieces 1 through 6, and today we're going to round out the bunch with number 7 and number 8. So let's jump right in. Piece number 7 is titled Album Leaf. Album Leaf. It's a title we've heard before on this very podcast, way back in series number three, with a piece by Debussy sharing the same exact name. And since we're talking about Debussy, let's go on a quick tangent first. The bulk of Grieg's compositional career predated Debussy by a few decades, but they were contemporaries during the latter half of Grieg's life. Musical aficionados and critics often draw lines of similarity between the music of Grieg and Debussy, even back in the early 20th century, much to Debussy's chagrin. Debussy was not the biggest fan of Grieg's, and would even publicly dismiss his work. When asked about Grieg's lyric pieces, Debussy described them as having the bizarre and delightful taste of pink bonbons filled with snow. He found Grieg's work inconsequential and weightless, and clearly didn't believe Grieg was writing music of any significance. Although, pink snow bonbons do sound kind of delicious. The other impressionist titan of the time, Maurice Ravel, thought a little more highly of Grieg, often citing him as one of his major influences. But let's return from that tangent and come back to album leaves. There are actually a whole catalog of pieces that share this title, most of them related to pieces for solo piano. The term album leaf describes a short piece that would fit into an album or an autograph book. The earliest pieces titled album leaf were dedicated to a friend or admirer, but later on they lost this quality of requiring a dedicatee. There isn't a specific form or style that unites these album leaves. They could have easily been named preludes or impromptus or even something else. But for one reason or another, the composers would choose album leaf. And so here we are. Grieg's album leaf plays with the central concept of a melody line that jumps between the hands. It opens with the right hand playing a melody line in E minor.
then the melody swaps to the left hand. And with this hand switch, we also swap keys from a minor key to a major key. And while we may have seen a few examples from volume one, where Grieg utilizes the concept of parallel minors and majors within the same piece, we might expect this piece to transition from E minor to the parallel key of E major. And while that would be a logical guess, this time it's not right. In this piece, he employs the more traditional switch to a relative major key. So from E minor, we move up three half steps to reach our relative major key. So since there isn't a black key between E and F, our first half step up takes us to F. Then the second step takes us to F sharp, and the third and final step brings us to G. G major is the relative major to E minor. And that's where we find ourselves with this left-handed melody. That's pretty much all he wrote for this piece. We alternate between those two parts with exact repetition to fill out a musical form of A-B-A-B-A. -A -A. It's short, it's sweet, and with its repetition it could easily be written out to fit on a page. An album leaf true to its name. This is the seventh selection from volume one of Grieg's lyric pieces called Album Leaf. And with that, we have reached the conclusion of volume number one. Number eight, titled Patriotic Song. It's a fitting finale for a work from the Romantic period, as it highlights one of the era's main themes, national pride. The piece opens with a descending, trumpet-like fanfare, announcing a march-like entrance. It brings to mind a military fanfare for a national army. 
This fanfare is followed by an almost hymn-like chorale that you can imagine being sung by a group of soldiers. And then the chorale continues. And for this next part, pay careful attention to the three chords that close it out. The two phrases of this chorale in this piece are great illustrations of a musical concept that we haven't really discussed yet called cadences. Cadences can be split up into two types, strong or weak. Strong cadences give a sense of finality, and they're most often used at the end of a piece, while weak cadences are the exact opposite. They're less conclusive and indicate to a listener's ear that there is more to come. Without going into too much of the boring music theory, This effect between strong and weak cadences is achieved by careful selection of chords. So now I'll replay for you the last three chords from the first line of the chorale part of this piece. The final chord actually adds tension and does not provide a sense of relief. So this is considered a weak cadence. If the piece ended like this, we'd be left scratching our heads. Now let's compare this to how the second line of the chorale ended. Ah, much better. It doesn't take a degree in music to recognize that this is much more pleasing to our ear. And that's because it ends in the home key that we've grown accustomed to throughout the piece. This pleasing sense of finality is why this is known as a strong cadence. So let's hear these again back to back. Here's an example of a weak cadence. Versus a strong cadence. So try to pick out these cadences for yourself as we listen to the final selection from volume one of Grieg's lyric pieces. This is number eight, Patriotic Song.
And that's a wrap on Series 12. This certainly won't be the last time we visit Grieg's lyric pieces on this podcast, but this was a perfect launching point, especially since Volume 1 is consistently easier than the rest of the collection. So, we've learned a bit about Norway, musical theory, and folk music, but now it's time to move on. And since we're starting to round out the first year of this podcast, I thought it might be a good idea to check in on my progress. So starting next week, we're going to play a little audio game where we compare etudes that are graded level 8 back-to-back with etudes from level 9, and we'll see if we can appreciate any improvements in my playing over the year. And if not... Well, there's always next year, I suppose. You can find the standalone recording of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. Please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your podcatcher if you haven't done so already. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain some visibility. Thanks as always for your time, your ears, and have a good week.